have spent the last eight years trying to figure out how to have a connection with God outside of religion. And I've been on a quest to find genuine spiritual life. Are you looking for something real? Are you looking for connection? We are your host, Tim and Jamie Holloway. Welcome to the Real Connection Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Wow. Okay, angry Tim today. When I was young, uh, we watched a lot of um, wrestling, WWF. (laughs) And um, yeah, I would just go around the house for like ever, for hours, imitating Hulk Hogan. So... Oh, is that what you were doing? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, Listen okay. to me, brother. You're <laughs> so freaking cute. This is Saturday morning. We're having our coffee and we're chilling. Yeah, I'm excited to be down here and doing an episode and yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yes. What we're talking about? I don't know. You're taking the lead today. Awesome. Well, we talked about it a little bit, but I just wanted to... Um, I don't know. Talk about it more because it's a okay. <laughs> it's a cool topic. Uh, so a while ago, uh, we were talking about uh, the difference of joy and happiness, and I kind of just want to dive in deeper uh, today and talk about that. So that's what we're gonna do because I'm the man. Yeah. I control stuff. <laughs> oh, okay, I was just gonna say yes, sir, until you said that, and now I just have to laugh at you. <laughs> oh, okay. They're all gonna <laughs> laugh at you. <laughs> Oh, you're cute. All right. So we're going to talk about the limiting beliefs around happiness. Limiting beliefs around happiness. Because we all want to walk in joy. (laughs) We want to experience, you know, fulfillment and all that good stuff. The Bible seems to have a kind of niche on the market, if you will, about joy. And, um, you know, the Greeks called it eudaimonia. It was a place of like fulfillment and, and, uh, contentment and stuff. But the Bible talks about it like a joy unspeakable and, and stuff. So super important topic. Let's talk about joy. So limiting beliefs around happiness. I want to, uh, kind of just throw this out there. You know, one of the biggest problems that I think, uh, we face is having to be like successful according to the standards of the world. Yes. Kind of like. This American uh, dream type scenario, thinking that, you know, maybe acquiring all of these different things is going to to bring us to the state of happiness that we're looking for. But isn't that what happiness is? <laughs> Bigger home, better car. You got, and they both got to be bigger and better than your neighbors. Bigger and better jewelry for women. For men, it's having the like hottest wife. Um, dressed to the T, right. your kids are perfect. Like that's the American dream. Yeah. That's, ha- that's what brings you happiness. The, the way I see that is, uh, more useless you- crap that you never use. <laughs> I was uh, picturing in my mind, like, uh, the Stepford wives. And uh, I'm not sure if you're ever uh, familiar with that, uh, movie, but basically every wife was like robotic. Yeah. And they were just like, everything was perfect. It kind of reminds me of like uh, uh, Brie on the Desperate Housewives, right? Oh, gotcha. Okay. So everybody's like, um, uh, appearances are the most important thing. And everybody's robotic and all the women do what they're told. And, you know, it was just kind of reminds Fantasy me- land? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> fantasy land. But uh, this ideal of Molly Mormon, perfect press, uh, a beautiful house, boat, 
uh, all of this stuff. I think when we're talking about the American dream, I think we're talking about that. Agreed. (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) And we're thinking like this, uh, you know, the perfect house, the perfect scenario, giving off, uh, you know, the, the idea of the perfect children that you were talking about. I think, you know, what do you think of when you hear the American dream? Well, exactly what I just said. Um, The American dream is like you get this big old house. You you have the biggest, best car that that there is. Your kids go to private school. Husband works. Mom stays home. Everything, you know, is just to the T. You have everything you could ever want. Yeah. And appearances. Yeah, yeah. Like you just said, Brie, Desperate Housewives. (laughs) Right, right. So it's kind of uh, crazy that, you know, when we think of the American dream, it's pretty much similar to that. But then getting or obtaining somewhere close to that and still not being happy. It's almost like we're, we're sold a, well, first of all, we're sold a lie. We're saying, they're saying, you know, culture and society, if you, if you chase after and pursue this, then you'll be happy. Uh, but then you get it in maybe still are empty because if you're empty before, then you're going to be empty after. <laughs> you're going to be empty with a full house. <laughs> empty with a full house and a nice truck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, because it all comes down to materialistic and outward appearances do not bring you happiness. Look at... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, um, Elon Musk. How happy are they? Yeah. Well, I think they're, uh, well, with the different definition of happy, they got to be pretty happy as far as like, you know, external things. But, you know, the joy part of it or or fulfillment. How? Okay, let me ask you that. I'm going to have to beg to differ on this one. Okay. I don't think that they're that happy. Well, think about this. Even according to worldly standards. Right. How many of those people I just named have in the last two years had their wife leave them? True. They're very unhappy at this moment. They're very unhappy. (laughs) They're watching half of their stuff just go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. How many of their kids want a relationship with them? Yeah. That's good. So how happy are they? And yeah, I know the difference between joy and happiness, but... They're not, you're, you're, you're saying that they're probably not even happy. Yeah. They're not even happy. Let's just not even like, go to the step of joy. Like, yeah. Cause the joy is a completely different level from happiness. Yeah. Happiness is very, very basic external. How happy are they? Yeah. Well, think about it. If, um, if you feel like you have a void, uh, and maybe like an emptiness, a longing for something nothing seems to satisfy that longing, then the, the craving continues and the pursuit continues. This is what I feel like. I don't know what it's like to, to be that kind of rich, but I imagine the longing never stops. And that is like, okay, so I built a great business. What's next? Okay. So I built this and um, I'm a millionaire. What's next? Oh, I'm a billionaire. What's next? It's always what's next. Yeah. And it's like this, this hankering or this longing emptiness that sets them on, uh, on a pursuit that's, um, that never finding satisfaction. It reminds me of the, this old song, uh, 
I can't get no satisfaction. I've mm-hmm. tried and yeah. I've tried, you know, and the rock star life reminds me of that. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, these people have sex with, you know, three to to six people a day. Like, I, I don't know. There's just crazy amounts of number. I heard a Epstein, you know, had to have four girls a day and different. Wow. Yeah. And so you get to this rock star status where you're, where you're pursuing lust and pleasure and, um, and it doesn't seem to satisfy and yeah. you, you, you haven't found, or will you ever find what you're looking for? Yeah. It's sad. It is. So, you know, like kind of going back to the millionaires, the billionaires, the, like always wanting more. And I don't mean like a millionaire, like cool, but in this day and age, a million dollars. Right. You can't even retire with $1 million. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about the multi, multi, multi-million dollars and above. Like they have a hundred million dollars coming every year. Okay. Yeah. So husband works, wife's at home. What's the wife do all day? Especially once kids are raised. Yeah. She goes out to lunches with her girlfriend. She goes. Probably like a charity ball events, you know? Yeah. You know what the the privileged people go to. I'm going to my charity ball. Would you like to have some tea? (laughs) Yeah. Well, they shop. How much do these women shop? And they always come home with stuff. Yeah. Right? So then you go and you look in their houses. They have to have bigger houses because they have more stuff. Yeah. And you look in their closets and how many clothes do these women have? Yeah. Clothes for days. Days. Yeah. How often do they wear that stuff? If you were to go through and look at every piece of clothing in that closet, how many of them would have the tags on it? Yeah. They're buying it. Oh, that's so cute. And it gets hung up and they never use it. Yeah. And it's because they have stupid money. (laughs) That's how we should have, I should have defined it before. It's not like hundreds of millions, but stupid money. When you're stupid money rich, you just buy more stuff and then you need bigger houses and you, oh my gosh, like this is so exciting and I'm so happy. Yeah. And, and then another house and then another house moment. and then another house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's all it is. A house it's that you spend and more and 30 more. days in. Yeah. It's a uh, extravagance at its, at its finest. So the question that I have in regards to that, you know, people um, achieving all of these things, right? Awesome career boat, multiple houses, living it up. Is that where happiness is found? It brings momentarily hap- momentary happy- happiness, a feel good. Yay, I just bought this boat. Yay, I just bought this. It's momentarily. Yeah. I, I can't even say the word momentarily. Momentarily. I don't know. Whatever temporary. that word is. Let's say temporary. It's temporary. Yes. It, it brings you temporary happiness. It's a, a moment. A moment, it's yeah. super exciting when you're looking. It's super exciting when you buy. It's ex- it's super exciting when you start to use it. Yeah. And then life goes on. Can you think of like uh, somebody who, <clears throat> um, who kind of like possessed all of those things, but were still miserable or maybe died or maybe overdosed? Can you think of anybody that comes to mind that kind of fits that? Um, not personally. Oh, okay. But I know... I mean, how many stories have you heard? Yeah, yeah. On their deathbed, they're like, I wish I would have spent that time with my family. Yeah. There, it's kind of funny. Um, well, not funny. In evangelical circles, Billy Graham was the, the pioneer of evangelism. 
uh, on his uh, deathbed, if you will, like moments, he, he just said, I wish I read the Bible more. Yeah. And the reason was, is because the tendency to read a lot of books about the Bible and not really read the Bible itself. And yeah. so at the end of his days, he said, you know, I just wish I would have read it more because, you know, I read thousands of books about the Bible, but I didn't read much of the Bible. That's a really uh, good point. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I'm just throwing that in there. It's not too relevant to the conversation, except. Well, but it is, though, because it goes back to regrets. You know, on your deathbed, it's like, what would I have done differently? And I'm sure I don't know for certain. I I would assume that on your deathbed, you look back at your life. What would I have done differently? Yeah. And in his moment on his deathbed, he's like, yeah, I was doing all these good things. I was reading all these really good books about the Bible. But what about the Bible itself? Yeah. He wishes he would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at it is the, you know, the things that matter most, like, Looking at his life, he didn't go, oh, I wish I was on more stages. Oh, I wish I had more fame or popularity. <clears throat> or I wish I had um, more riches or or anything like that. It was, you know, I wish I just would have read the Bible more. You know, coming to the conclusion at the end of days and, and getting priorities and, and coming to that, I think, um, yeah, that's a big, big thing to really consider and think about. Well, so and that, it also shows, go. sorry, um, it also shows... At the end of your life, what actually was important? Yeah. Was it making more money? Was it going to the moon more? Was it creating more businesses, creating more more materialistic items? Yeah. No. It was the simple things. Because when you die and you leave this earth, you take nothing but your memories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have made one more million in my business. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> No, so exactly. I wish, you know, I had. I wish I would have done this different. I wish I had more, uh, just a little bit more time. In fact, I think, um, you know, people at the end of their days, they might, um, and this is speculation, but they might uh, trade it all in for another month, just yeah. to uh, bring closure and spend the last minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you think about it, so as far as. Um, getting a perspective on these things, I think is important. So there was a study um, done and it says after you make $75,000, it's not going to have an effect on your life. So the first initial of getting to that like $75,000 realm is it will have a small impact on your life. But after you get to that point, then it doesn't really affect the quality of your life at all. In fact, it can have the very opposite Effect, because imagine for a moment, like managing like four houses. No, thank you. And boats, boats. Oh my gosh, that's a money pit right there. Yeah. (laughs) So managing all of this uh, uh, wealth and all of this stuff could uh, end up increasing your stress, not oh, big time, increasing, right? Yeah. You know, it was interesting yesterday talking about the seven thousand or seventy-five thousand not affecting your life. It was kind of funny because, like, you know, right now we're. We're in the process, very beginning stage of um, applying for a home loan, like application was yesterday. So very beginning stage. I'm like super nervous about it. We meet all the criteria, but it's like we own our own businesses. So and that's where all of our income comes from. It's like, oh, how does this work? And and so we were talking last night and I'm telling you how nervous I was. Mm -hmm. And you really put it into perspective of when you got your first home loan, how much you made and 
comparing it to where we are now. And I kind of had a moment of like, wow. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just, but I think you really have to put that into perspective. It's like, what, like, I don't, I don't know where I'm trying to go with that, but just you bringing that up was like, yeah. Yeah. Getting, um, that making the different amount doesn't matter too much. Cause you're right. I, uh, I bought my first home and I was only making 36,000, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, having a payment of 850, which they, you know, wanted right around three times the amount of what you made. And so that small amount was able to, to purchase a home. So yeah, you know, having, uh, if I made 6,000, would that have increased my, ha- I probably would have got a bigger house. But let's just think about if I was making 120000 and then I maxed out as much as I could in home value, and uh, would that have made me any happier? Um, I don't think so. I really don't. So, okay. So, well, maybe a nicer neighborhood or, yeah, you know, yeah. little things like that. <laughs> it was in but, the hood. <laughs> <laughs> but a house in the hood. So, you know, comparing that, it's like, so you made 36000 bought your first house, Okay, so now you make 70000 double that, okay? You're still going to buy a house. It mm-hmm. might not be in the hood. Yeah. But it's still going to be a, a house. You, you pointed out something amazing with just that statement because we all seek to live by the means that we're capable of. Yes. So that being said, like if you made 60000 be quite different from the house that you would get at 30000 right? Yeah. And so you're still... Um, the percentage of your income is still used up in your housing. So uh, it's not like you have it more expendable cash to do whatever you want. It's the same thing it's from the, the person thing. who buys the small house <laughs> and the medium house. They're doing it based upon their percentage. Yeah. And so the happiness, you know, doesn't particularly increase any that I see. <laughs> what I ultimately want to get down to is maybe so, things will not make you happy. Maybe well, exactly. Yeah, because you you just went from your house in the hood, which I wouldn't want to live there. I want to live in a, well, I want to live out in the country, but um, (laughs) you go from the house in the hood to a house in, uh, you know, just a nice neighborhood. Oh, well, now I'm making 140,000. So let's go a little bit up higher. And now like, I need a house by a lake. Now I need it (laughs) on the beaches in California. Yeah. It, it just becomes more and more and more. Like you said, you don't have more money. You're still spending it. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. Yeah. Money and objects do not bring happiness. Yeah. They bring momentary, momentary happiness. Yeah. That's what they do. Because you're really happiness. happy when you buy that house. Yeah. Well, think about this. Um, like uh, securing a scholarship inside of sports uh, coming out of high school. The, the, the goal is if I can perform well enough, then I can get that scholarship right to that yeah. college. If I can perform well enough there, then I can get inside of the, um, the NFL or, or basketball league or, or whatever, you know, the dream, it's a dream. And the percentage of people that actually go to that level are very few. Yeah. It's much like winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah. And so you would think that people that went through that process and got to the top and are making millions of dollars that they would be happy. 
But when you think about it, like, so all the football injuries that mess up your head and your brain and your shoulders and your back, and you can barely move and the sacrifice and everything that you gave up for those millions of dollars. And then coming to a very unhappy, unfulfilled state, you got a lot of money, but your body hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, so and it's then like how this, is life? Life's miserable because you're in pain. Right. Right. This dream of, uh, of saying, if I get that, I will be happy. And we do that in so many different ways. Well, and if you put your happiness in receiving that, for one, you're not enjoying the journey. Your soul focuses on that far away, distant point, not in the moment. What happens when you get there? You have the momentary, the moment of happiness. Then what? Yeah. Uh, New goal, which I, I, you do need new goals. You need to be growing and, you know, and evolving. But if your happiness is based on that, the completion of that goal, Then what? Then what? Yeah. You're only happy when you achieve that. You'll never be happy. Yeah. No, you just have moments of happiness. Yeah. It's crazy when I think about in the business world that uh, people having the opportunity to, um, to sell a company and let's just say pull 5 million and to live off the 5 million for the rest of their life, you know, interest rate, uh, you know, uh, uh, money about 250,000 a year. And just retire. Yeah. Like, but no, like these people at 40 years old can, can just cash out and retire and then uh, pursue their passions and do what they want. But yet they run themselves into the ground, into the grave, really, you know, managing a, a super large company and the stress and, and the, uh, you know, all of this stuff that it, it takes place, you know, uh, what it does to your heart and everything. And they just really run themselves to the grave when it could have been far different, you know? You know, I understand like wanting something to do because if we didn't have what we have going on. We'd still do stuff. Yeah. I get yeah, what you're saying. We would still do stuff. But is it what's bringing you joy and happiness? Is it, is it what you're doing just so you make more money? Like, what is it you're doing? I had a thought while you were talking and I might have to explain myself because this might sound really funny. So I had the thought that you're not meant to be happy all the time. Yeah. Okay. Does that sound funny? Like I'm some quack? No. Okay, good. Think about the moments that you're happy. You're at a high in life, right? Mm -hmm. You're never at a low. You're never just kind of coasting. You're always at a high. If you're constantly at a high and you're constantly, you know, achieving that happiness moment, but it's all the time. That's exhausting. Yeah. Think about going on an amazing, an amazing lifelong vacation. <laughs> You've been driving about this your me. whole life, Just right? show me now. I can do it. Yeah, it'd be hard, but you're on this vacation. It's a month long. Mm-hmm. You're doing all the things you've ever dreamt of doing. Money is no worry. Mm-hmm. It's all paid for. You're just going to go. You're going to lay on the beaches. You're going to be like. Sipping margaritas. Sipping on your margaritas. (laughs) You're going to be on a roller coaster. You're going to be hiking in the jungle. Like whatever it is. You're doing that for a month. Uh Uh-huh. What happens when you come home from that vacation? Yeah. Even like a normal person, you go on a vacation for a week. You have a lot of fun, but you come home and you're exhausted. Yeah. And you need a vacation from From your vacation. vacation. (laughs) Because yeah. your body is not meant to be on a high all 
the time. Yes, yes. This is a good conversation. Uh, it makes me think of like initial relationship high. Yeah. Of like um, starting a relationship, dating, uh, the endorphins and everything that's going on inside of your brain. Um, it's just creating this, you know, wonderful feeling of euphoria and all that stuff. And it's basically a, rela- a relationship high. It is. Yeah. And uh, to have that as a sustainability is not uh, uh, very practical, uh, nor is it biologically um it doesn't happen biologically that is supposed to transition into a more form of like a commitment sort of love, not this um, love that's just all about passion and energy. But I said all that to say, you know, we have a relationship high and we have like, for example, the um, vacation high. Yeah. And let's just say that 30 days, let's just bump that up to a year. Okay. So now you're, I'm just kind (laughs) of, you said a year and I'm like, uh, yeah. Okay. So (laughs) this, this brings home the, the conclusion that a good thing in excess, a good thing in excess will not ultimately make you happy in the end. No, because if I was on vacation for a year and I, you know, was experiencing all these things, you know, who knows when I'm going to get tired of all of these experiences. But let's just say after the year, Marcos, you know what? You got another year. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, I can't I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and so that relationship high of thinking that, you know, you're supposed to stay at that pinnacle and it's supposed to continue. Or that vacation high or all the money coming in and, and, and just flowing in high. Like all of this stuff is like anything uh, can become very detrimental in excess. You know, it, when you were talking about that, it remind me, reminded me of the cartoon. Oh, my goodness. What was it called? We watched it when we were kids. It had um, the ducks. Uh-huh. And, you know, uncle would swim in his money. Oh, Scrooge McDuck, yeah. DuckTales. DuckTales, <laughs> DuckTales. Okay, so do you remember the, the episode where it was Christmas Day? I don't. Okay, so there was Go this ahead. episode, and I don't remember exactly, but it was Christmas Day, and something didn't happen the way one of the, the ducks, the kid ducks wanted. And so he went to bed, woke up the next day, and it was Christmas again. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, this is cool. And it kept repeating all mm-hmm. like day after day after day. Like Groundhog's Day, huh? Yeah. Who doesn't love Christmas Day? Right. Yeah. You know what? My brain is picking up on that. It's like I seen that episode. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just and like, after a while, like, like he was oh, like, Oh, Christmas oh, again. Not again. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's what it is like. Yeah. Even a child on Christmas Day, if it's repeated day after day after day. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Like, come yeah. on, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, please stop. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's an awesome principle in that. I'm glad you brought that up. So there's a couple scriptures that I wanted to um, point out and talk about here real quick. Uh, the first one is uh, trust in your wealth and you'll be a failure, but God's people will prosper like healthy plants. So I wanted to talk about, um, what does that mean to like trust in your wealth and how does that lead to um, failure in a sense? What do you think when you think of like trusting in your wealth? So to me, 
So I could be interpreting this completely wrong, which has been known to happen with me on the Bible verses. But to me, what that that is saying is like, if you're trusting in your wealth, if your wealth is external. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is an external thing that comes and goes. It ebbs and flows, right? Um, If you're constantly trusting in your wealth, external things, things that ultimately don't matter, you're going to fail in your marriage. You're going to fail as a parent. You're going to fail (laughs) in like who you are as a person. I don't know if that makes sense, but you're going to fail. Like in the things that truly matter, you will fail. How many billionaires, how how many like highly successful businessmen do you know that get divorced? Yeah. Look at celebrities. What's Ooh, their divorce yeah. status? Uh, yeah. or not divorce status. What's their divorce rate? And addiction rate when you think and about addiction it. rate and suicide rate and just, yeah. just go on and on. Yeah. Yeah. They're trusting in their wealth yeah. and ultimately they're failing in their quote unquote life, yeah. their marriage, their children, the, you know, parents, siblings, like the things and the people that matter the most, they, they fail in. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because bringing that more to a practical level, you bringing out that, um, pit, mental picture for me is that, yeah, when I, if I go all in in business and money, at what cost is that to me? You know, and so people go all in with money at the detriment of their soul and kind of become sellouts and and they, you know, sell out to maybe a twisted agenda. Um, You know, we all know the conspiracy theories that are are fact and reality. (laughs) (laughs) No. okay, honey, a conspiracy Uh is only a conspiracy for three to six months. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's fact. (laughs) Then it becomes fact. Yeah. It's just warming uh, people up to the idea of truth. But yeah. (laughs) So, you know, looking at it in that way and fashion is like, yeah, if I trust and I go all in with this to the detriment of my soul or the detriment of my wife, family, or to the detriment of my own health, then I'm trusting in my wealth and I'm going to fail at life as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Woman. You know, of course, leave it to me to take something from the Bible or something you make take. Make it practical. Uh, make it practical. <laughs> I'm a very practical person. <laughs> if I can't like take a thought, an idea um, and make it practical, to me, it just doesn't really makes sense. I can't relate to it. Yeah. Um, I need that. I need the practicality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And the last uh, scripture that I want to talk about, it's a little bit confusing, but, um, you know, I'll just read it and see, see what comes of it. It was your good looks that made you arrogant. (laughs) And you were so famous that you started acting like a fool. That's why I threw you to the ground and let other kings sneer at you. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So this sounds this like. This is a Bible verse? This is a Bible verse. Wow. Uh, you can look it up in Ezekiel twenty-eight seventeen for anybody who's interested. Um, <clears throat> so I want to comment on the first two things about this is that your good looks made you arrogant and you were so famous, you started acting like a fool. And this mindset of privilege, mm-hmm. beauty. Uh, intelligence, 
the right genetic makeup, the right side of the tracks, all of this stuff that that causes people to be win the genetic lottery to be famous or they have some extreme talent in vocal ability or or whatever. Right. That the, the very thing that we are setting out and pursuing could be the thing that puffs us up with pride, mm-hmm. causes us to be uh, arrogant pricks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've heard of those celebrities that are arrogant pricks. Oh, yeah. We're like, you know, um, I'm a God. Don't, <laughs> don't look at me. Don't come up and ask for a signature or a picture. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. I met a, a celebrity one day where he, he standed aloof, uh, from the whole crowd. It, he, he appeared to be sick, but when he got on stage, he lit up like a, you know, it's like you know, on stage performing. It's like, whoo, but like, privately it's like it didn't even seem like he wanted to connect or talk with anybody weird he feeling. was too good for the people yeah yeah that's that's kind of what i'm getting out here what's your what's your thoughts on this scripture it's pretty pretty neat okay so let's start with the look uh, the good looks make you arrogant okay that's like i don't know who can't see that <laughs> look at the <clears throat> go back to high school okay the most popular people are the most attractive, right? Yeah. Usually. Uh-huh. Usually. Usually. Or the most talented. Most talented. Or have the position, money, fame, yeah. money. So the most good looking girls in school typically are known as the mean girls. Yes. Very true. Nobody wants to be their friend. <laughs> well, their squad and their cronies do because of status and position. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. following them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But they're not nice people. Right. They're so stuck on their looks. Um, it reminds me of, um, what's that movie? Alicia Silverstein. Clueless. Clueless. Yeah, yeah. It totally reminds me of that movie, you know. Um, what happens when that's what your whole focus becomes? You know, we love, we keep referencing Desperate Housewives. Um Gabby Solis. Mm-hmm. She's the runway model. Her husband is rich. She's amazing. But that's all like, there's this moment where she's like talking to her daughter and she's like, I don't want you to be like me. My whole focus in life was my beauty and my looks. People hated me. They didn't want to be around me. They didn't want to work with me. Yeah, they wanted yeah. nothing to do with me because I was so stuck up and I was so <laughs> mean. Stuck up, yeah. And she goes, I want you to focus on your education. I want you to focus on being a good person because I don't want you to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's so good. Yeah. So it made her arrogant. She did yeah. come out of it. But, um, you know, and the next thing I thought of was um, this lady that I know. Her daughter growing up was in beauty pageants. Uh-huh. Okay. So, of course, it's all about beauty. That's all it's about, right? And the daughter turned 18, moved to Hollywood, and I don't want to say porn star, but she's she not is a star. in porn. She's just porn. <laughs> <laughs> she's porn. She makes porn, really good money. Not star. <laughs> yeah. She makes really good money, but... Her whole focus growing up was all about her looks and her body. Mm-hmm. And she is now graduated in porn. porn. Yeah. Mm. How many how many people does that happen to? I don't know. Yeah. But it's crazy she's how- very a- ignorant or not ignorant. She's very arrogant. Yeah. 
it's it's crazy how uh, somebody can be uh, programmed or to receive the uh, validation from their beauty and from their looks. And if they don't get that validation, then they feel insecure and fearful and all of those things, you know. So it's she become like that's what she f- fed on was the the affirmation of beauty. And then that was her source of any form of validation, you know? Yeah. So getting, getting out there, putting herself out there with different men and all the, all the attention, uh, that she gets from it then, uh, creates, um, I call it filling a hole, but in this case, it's literally filling a hole. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sad because growing up, her focus was beauty, body, looks, appearance, and putting on the best show. It was never education. It was never, the mom is a very good person. Oh, I just love her to death. But the daughter's focus was never about that. Yeah. I know a lot of girls who didn't like her because of how she was. The arrogant stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so because she never focused on that, she now, she does like YouTube videos on top of her um, pornography. And like I watched one one day and it was so dumb. She was looking for a certain broom or something like that, like an Asian broom or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, let's beat this broom and this is how you do it. And it all had to turn sexual. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, she wow. did, it didn't, it wasn't a pornography. It was all cleaning, but it was very seductive. Yeah. Yeah. There and was I'm a like, purpose for, that's like her, um, lead magnet to get to deeper things, you know? Yeah. yeah I get, I get what you're and talking And it's about. sad because good looks lead to arrogance. Yeah. And then, you know, it was the same famous looks or famous, um, makes you look being fame. What was it? Famous fool. Uh, and you were so famous that you started acting like a fool. One thing yeah. I want to comment on that is, um, so I follow a lot of men's movement movements that, um, specialize in, uh, you know, increasing uh, masculinity inside of males and, uh, just embracing, you know, who they are and stuff. And I, you know, I, I, I like most of the content. It, it resonates, you know, men need to step up and be men and all of these different things. But there's, an, there's an overall arrogance that people that make it, and they become uh, elite, if you will, and they uh, they have an elite business and elite body. Um, you know, they spend three hours a day uh, working out and just getting chiseled and just like looking, you know, super badass. That what I've noticed though is it produces a great sense of arrogance, and that kind of like look at me, look at how buff I am, look at how successful I am, and that it's almost like creating this this looking down upon other people i was playing an episode and you're like what the heck is that and it was one of these masculine dudes just berating uh somebody who um who was overweight and it just sounded like so arrogant and uh uh just terrible you know yeah that that's just so terrible if that's how you want to live your life go for it but don't don't drag somebody down because they're overweight or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they have their issues. I like, I'm not about body shaming at all. I mean, hello, look at me, <laughs> but, um, but I'm not going to shame somebody because of what they're going through in life. You don't know. Maybe yeah. they have some life threatening condition. They're on medication for it and it makes them be that weight. 
Yeah. You know, like you just don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was uh, uh, pretty good to this point that, you know, one thing I've noticed too, and I'll throw this out there that people that um, go on health kicks in and uh, exercise and are losing weight, um, there seems to be a very high centered me focus um, and it develops into an arrogancy in the sense of all they talk about is their weight loss journey. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, you just get around weight loss days, weight loss that I'm eating this, I'm eating that. And they're like just so self-consumed in their own little world that it's like, you know, there is more to life than you losing two pounds or your your nutrition plan or, you know, they get just or like even like so the dude like, that, yeah. Yeah. The buff dude that's in the gym, like five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Yeah. There's more to life. Like you're spending that amount of time. You go before work, you go to work, you go back to the gym after work. How much of that time could have been with your wife? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, there's a Bible scripture that says that, um, physical exercise profits a little bit, but godly exercise profits much. And what I gather from that is like, you know, getting, getting spiritually in tune, uh, connected in relationships and all these different things. It's far more important and it doesn't produce the same amount of arrogance, arrogant that, getting a bunch of money or, or getting, uh, looking beautiful and all these different things produce, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to the famous and you look like a fool, look at Hollywood. <laughs> Need I say any more? Yeah. It's funny. Mic how, drop, end of story. <laughs> it's funny how like all of these people that we were like, oh man, they were so cool in our kids' movies. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, now they come out, you know, with their politics and all their, their different stuff. And we're like, oh my God. Gosh, they are so foolish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, like through this spiritual journey that I've been on, I've really seen like this switch in me. And as like before, like it was, oh my gosh, this person's so cool. I'm gonna watch all their movies. Right. Uh, Like I, I still like Matthew McConaughey, but, um, like I'm going to watch all his movies because they're so good and nothing wrong with that. But now it's like people like that, that I'm looking and I'm seeing all the political BS that's coming out. And it's like, no, we're paying you to entertain us. Not <laughs> Like, I don't need to know about your politics, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, but I'm really noticing a switch in who I follow online. Um, like I love Candace Cameron Bure. Yeah. I like her brother. Some of his stuff is kind of far, like the whole I'm not going to go there, but some of his stuff I, I ignore, I skip over, but it's the values. Mm-hmm. It's who they are as a person. Yeah. They could be completely different in, in real life. If you knew them, I don't know. But from what they portray, it's like, I relate to that so much more Yeah, because it's about God. It's about family, being yeah. a good person, being a good husband, being a good father, you know, like let's get, get together as a family. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of that lifestyle that to me is way more appealing than what following Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't care that he's in the gym again, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know. It's just because you look like a, f- I got to talk about Dwayne Johnson, Go man, <laughs> because I don't, I don't know what the end result of him's going to be. Death. Um, you know, Arnold seemed to pull it off. Okay. Um, 
but the, but look at him now. Yeah, but the strain. Um, so if you have the object of uh, I'll be happy if I'm this buff, okay? Yeah. And people look at me and go, "Oh my God, that's incredible!" Like you're so buff. Like, and you receive all your affirmation from your from your looks. That only feeds the addiction problem. And, you know, someone at that size and everything, they, they're addicted. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're addicted to uh, substances to produce that. There's so many, they're addicted to the routine of the amount of protein. You can't imagine how much uh, someone like that eats. Um, yeah. So they're addicted to everything, you know, in the process, but the validation the most. And the heart cannot sustain that. For a prolonged period of time and what it's actually doing is taking years off your life, you know? Yeah. You know, people being able to see 70, that's not a reality. And a lot of people don't even see 60 uh, yeah. because of the stress that they put on their heart, you know? And that comes back to our conversation. Is that going to make you happy, that validation? Uh, how much is it worth to you? Because it may cost you 15 years of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Going all in as a CEO in a big multi-million dollar company and being the head honcho and and just all the stress that comes along, that's cool. It may cost you 15 years of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the life you want to live, more power to you. Just be careful. Yes. What's it going to cost you? And yes, you got to yes. think about that. Like, what is the ultimate cost to this? My wife, yeah. my husband, my children. Mm -hmm. My life. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, to be able to achieve that, you have to sacrifice everything else and you have to be willing to pay the cost. And the cost is your wife, your children, uh, your sanity, your mental health. <laughs> you're, it's like, yeah. And you just like throw it all on the fire, you know, for this, for this lust and for this, you know, achievement and uh, uh, not really understanding what you're sacrificing. Because yeah. it yeah. even comes down to your time. You're sacrificing your time. And in essence, you're sacrificing years of your life. There's a podcast that I listened to. Um, and it was this man who he um, he was like one of the head honchos at an oil company. Um, so, you know, he was making like buco bucks. He was stupid money rich. Okay. And he ultimately got out of it because he was done with the sacrificing. Yeah. Which is rare to hear. Yeah. But he was like, you don't understand the power that you have when you can make a $50 million decision in five seconds. Yeah. Like he, he's like, you just don't understand the power and even the exhilaration in that. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> right. But the sacrifice is astronomical. He goes, I had calls all hours of the day. I couldn't just sleep like a normal person. Just sleep. Yeah. He couldn't sleep for four hours at a time because his phone was constantly going off because of these calls, these decisions that he had to make. Yeah, yeah. And he said, ultimately, the sacrifice wasn't enough. He was making all this money to support and provide a life that he wasn't living. Hmm. He had this amazing house, this amazing wife, the, these amazing kids, but he was never in that house. He yeah. never slept in that bed or that vacation home. He was never with his wife. He was never with his kids. And ultimately his kids 
bounced. Yeah, didn't want nothing they to do with them. They wanted nothing to do with them. What a sad ending. And that's exactly what we're talking about here is that, you know, achieving this big, bad American dream uh, may not um, make you happy. Thank you for joining us today on our quest for real connection. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and to share this with somebody you know would benefit from this content. 